Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 156. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and with me, as always, is David Estrella. Cheers, gamers, and I mean that in the least derogatory of terms. What is what is the uh, way that cheers could be a derogatory term? Am I missing something here? No, the G word. Oh, gamers. Gamers. <laughs> of course. Wow, duh. So this episode, we're going to talk about some news and then uh, hit up our queue and finally the main attraction we're reviewing pui pui molkar as i teased in a previous episode pui pui yeah uh david <laughs> david has been actually excited about an anime for the first time in a while for so, uh, once yeah i mean we say for the first time in a while but like you liked baki so whatever i did uh but first david how are you doing uh you know it's a it's kind of a somber time you know we're you know speaking speaking of the g word you know speaking of games i feel like we're gonna be it's gonna be a big year for you know video game deaths like we've got mario on the chopping block oh you're right in a few days as of as of this recording yeah yeah i mean fire emblems kind of got you know a little bit we're gonna be getting rid of fire emblem soon as well yeah we're gonna have to kill fire emblem we're gonna have to shoot fire emblem in the head (laughs) But I think worse than all of that is that we're going to be getting rid of everything from PlayStation Generations 1 through 3 and the Vita. I mean, Vita's been dead for a long time, but, you know. Yeah, I saw this news and it was um, not that surprising to me, you know, because, I mean, eventually this stuff, it's like bad. But also, I mean, how long does anyone really expect these companies to maintain the like online storefronts for all these old consoles? Right. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that with the Wii already. Mm. That was, I feel like that, like the Wii going down was kind of a big deal, except it wasn't because I think like the Wii U had just really underperformed for, you know, just to not be too harsh on the Wii U because, you know, I think the Switch was also around by the time that the Wii, the Wii shop had gone down. But with the PSN, with PSN going away for what is it? The PSP, the PS3, and the Vita, like, there are just, there's a lot of stuff in there that, like, it just doesn't exist anywhere else. Like, if that, if it goes away now and there's, like, no, there's no plan to preserve it in any any sort of way other than, like, just people, (laughs) people downloading it onto their, onto their, like, whatever PlayStation hardware it's for and just making sure that that thing never breaks down for, you know, the end of time. That's the issue for these digital games, right? Like, that, that's increasingly becoming... I think a pretty big concern like that, you know, these things don't, they're not like encoded onto a disc somewhere where someone can preserve that. Um, And I mean, I guess like for PC games, you know, people have like, there's probably enough local copies of a lot of like digital only PC games, but it's just like harder. I think, you know, it's possible to get access to that, you know, that that copy and and move it somewhere, but I think it's harder, yeah, like from a a PlayStation. Yeah, it's like it's way harder cuz uh in some cases like the developers or the publishers just don't exist anymore. There's not like a person that you can go to. It's just this like this missing point of like oh, somebody whose job it would be to actually make sure that this game is actually kept available for sale. There's it's, there's not the person there anymore. Um, but I think with like one of like the real bad parts of this is that the PS3 was designed um, to sync up with the uh, PlayStation servers continuously because you sign in with your PSN account and occasionally it will just check like okay is the time accurate you know is this like is this actually like a real connection that they're making with the servers 
And it doesn't matter if you've downloaded that stuff locally onto your PlayStation. There, it just, there has to be a check eventually. And the only way that it preserves like the last point of it being connected to the server is through a cell battery in the PlayStation, which if you've ever had like a Casio watch or something like that, you know that things die after a few years. So great. They just, they like programmed in the, uh, the obsolescence of the PlayStation. You can't, you can't keep this PSN stuff forever, even if you tried to. Wait, how does that work? I'm actually, you like just tried to explain it, but I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little lost on that. Like the, the, the games don't require you to be logged in to play them once you've downloaded them, right? The first time, but then that, like that check for the authentication is on a battery, which is going to die. So when the battery dies, it has to check again for a server connection to like say like, yes, you own this game. Oh, so have people confirmed then that when that battery dies, when that battery dies, you get locked out? you're shit out of luck. But, you know, uh, there is hope for the game preservationists of, you know, pirates, basically. <laughs> There's some hope that like somebody will figure out like a way to uh, just keep those keys active all the time and just make sure that they're authenticated. Like, there's always a way to figure this sort of thing out. It's just if you're trying to go fully legit, like you log into your PlayStation that you haven't turned on in a few years, you download everything and then you tell yourself like, okay, I'm good for, you know, forever. You're not because that battery is eventually going to die. Yeah, this the, the planned obsolescence is pretty depressing. I mean, that's why I still buy physical games is because I just would like to have the game if I want to put it back in and play it again. I was a big on buying digital for Switch, and now I'm, like, converting back into just getting stuff physical because, like, one goes out of print really quick on Switch for whatever reason. Like, anything I like to get just goes out of print for no good reason. And also, like, they've already seen what happened to the Wii Shop, so what's to say the Switch Shop isn't going to go down? Like, it's not going to go down right now, but 10 years from now, they've got, like, Switch... uh, two or whatever and it's like really popular so they say like oh nobody's playing the switch we're just gonna get rid of all this like original switch stuff yeah i i say this all the time and uh, obviously nobody listens to me but if i'm gonna buy a game that is you know locked into uh you know and my account or you're locked into a an online store right has some kind of like drm attached to it where it's not like just a disc or a cartridge that i can do what i want with uh, it should be cheaper like <laughs> you know like i it, i'm 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 almost all right even with like the inverse of like making the physical copies more expensive cuz at least it recognizes that like i am paying more for the or i'm getting a discount in the inverse right like for whether or not i have like the right to do what i want with it <laughs> cuz like sure if i if i could if they're all like 10 dollars off digital then i might be like well whatever i'm willing to kind of like you know get that discount in exchange for not having control over the media yeah right? like you buy this now and then maybe you can't do anything with it in 10 years mm-hmm. but they make them the same price and then it's you know i mean just at the consumer level it's kind of like well okay and then there then there's the preservation thing which is like a whole different problem so that's a that's a bit of a bummer though for i mean it doesn't doesn't affect me super directly because i don't like i mean i have a ps3 that i got years later but i i don't really i don't think i got got any digital games on there and i never had a psp or a vita but i know you Mm -hmm. were like a big psp and and vita yeah 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 Yeah, i've got a bunch of stuff on there that like i'm just gonna have to accept like i'm gonna lose it but there's probably better versions of it now on like steam like i know for a fact um Mm. 
Undernight in Birth, X latest, uh, something, something. It's uh, a stuff. weird fighter. One of the greatest, greatest video game titles of all yep. time. It, like, it's just, it's on everything. I had it on the Vita first, but I think that, like, the more recent versions on Steam. Steam is another, like, weird case, isn't it? It's like, all that stuff is an online shop. It is DRM, but I don't think that that stuff's going to expire quite like, you know, PS3 stuff's expiring. So that's the uh, the bad news <laughs> regarding video games. And then there's some, uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of it news uh kind of like uh, i mean it's good good for some people bad for some other people maybe uh news about the anime industry we we talked about the funimation crunchyroll deal before we talked to like it was like a done deal like it's happening well yeah i mean it was maybe i wasn't clear enough on it but, but it was not actually done at the time of the announcement it was announced and these deals are usually announced like a little bit before they're totally wrapped up it's like I think it's that the parties have agreed to it, but there's like regulatory stuff they still have to go through before the uh, the deal is done. Well, welcome to the regulatory stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should feel bad or good about laughing. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, well, I'll say what it is. I think it's it's good on on a certain level. Uh, the, the U.S. Justice Department is extending its antitrust review of the sony buyout of crunchyroll uh very surprising like they they literally are investigating whether sony would have a monopoly over the anime market in the u.s which i just kind of i mean anime is a growing market it still feels like it's like too small for the justice department's antitrust division to be concerned with it right you know like when people talked about like there's going to be an anime monopoly, it's like, yeah, but like who cares about an anime monopoly at like a large enough level to stop it from happening, you know? Right. Yeah, I guess um, I mean, like, among, like um, among us, we joke that it's uh, it is a monopoly, right? Like we joke like, oh, OK, now the only like we only have like a one stop shop for everything anime that we want to watch. <laughs> uh, but then for, you know. For this to get to the the point of like, oh, okay, so like the U.S. government is actually interested in seeing whether or not like our jokes are for real. Um, yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah, uh, it, it is a question of whether it's actually a monopoly, right? I mean, there is like Netflix and um, and Hulu has has anime on it. Um, and there's you know a few other places. Technically, High Dive has stuff like Retro Crush has anime. Uh, th- that's maybe a bit of a uh like a moot point right because i mean okay technically whether or not something's a monopoly but i I think like morally it would be good to not have you know in general too much consolidation of media under these companies including under netflix right or or hbo max or whatever uh but yeah this is a i think i think it's good just in that like more antitrust like i'm surprised to actually see the justice department doing this especially at uh, you know, at a company at this scale, it seems to bode well for there being, you know, maybe maybe under the Biden administration, there's going to be a, a stronger antitrust push from the Justice Department, which I would love. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a stake in either Funimation or Crunchyroll. So when I think of like them having a monopoly, I think more of them having a monopoly on just like uh, seasonal stuff, right? Yeah, right. A right. large, like a large part of the habits of watching anime is to watch the seasonal stuff. So if you only have like to sign into just one place, who can determine like under what terms you are going to be consuming like the stuff that comes out every season? 
like yeah in that case i would be a little bit concerned of just like one one group being like just having all the power to decide like oh you're gonna be enjoying seasonal stuff under our terms which is i don't know i don't know i don't know like to what extent that they could really milk it before like uh your average anime fan starts to complain like saying like hey this is actually not really that cool oh yeah i mean pushing their originals or whatever which both companies already do right netflix does the same thing i mean that's that's part of the game so fans so fans win is under investigation basically (laughs) exactly (laughs) literally fans win under investigation uh, the so the actual like nuts and bolts of this are that uh, you know that they do an initial review of um, of any of these these deals and then they will come back for an extended review if they think there's like potential cause for concern and the extended review can then turn into either them deciding to approve it or if they don't approve it they will then sue to block the deal so this is pretty rare is the thing like. As of 2019, according to this article I looked at, the uh, about three percent of deals got to the, this second phase investigation. So, wow, they really they really pulled the unlucky gotcha on this one. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's <laughs> a, a, a uh, not an honor that that you know most companies going through this process are are looking for. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, we'll. We'll see about this. It would be, it would sure be interesting if, like, the Justice Department shut this down and then it had to go back to AT and T. Then AT and T is stuck with, you know, they've got all their debts they're trying to pay down. Just not, not good news for Sony or AT and T if this, if this happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't even know if that's a fans win scenario either. You know, because like, how, how much of a blow is that going to be to these companies gearing up for a merger to then be like, nope, reverse it, no more merger. <laughs> Fans, fans can win at a later date. I mean, it depends, right, on how... I, I think they're not very integrated yet, right? Like, clearly at the uh, the front end, where the users see it, like, they're basically just still operating independently, right, mm-hmm. in Funimation and Crunchyroll. So, I mean, maybe that means that they're being prudent and not, uh, not like, combining them before there's actually the, the oh, you know, no. finished deal. Yeah. No. <laughs> I assume that's what these companies usually do, right? Like, you wouldn't want to start doing branding stuff around it before the justice department has finished reviewing it <laughs> start printing your double xl t-shirts to throw at people's faces at the next con yeah yeah so we'll uh, we'll have more updates on this uh, this sounds like this could get sexier and sexier in terms of uh just just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> insane uh, corporate merger stories coming out of this i kind of thought the story was like kind of over and we were just waiting for the merger to happen uh next up is the queue david You've been playing some games and also anime. I'm not sure which one you want to talk about. I don't know. I feel like if I talk about anime, I'm just going to spoil the uh, the main event that we've got lined up for everybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's heard me talk about anime other than the like uh, required watching of Baki, which I did enjoy. I did yeah, enjoy Baki. It was, right? it was assigned reading, but you actually liked it. Yeah. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about anime. Let's talk about anime this episode we like never do any gamers podcasts where we talk mostly about anime and i think uh, uh, I, I do sometimes when you're not here <laughs> when i'm not here see that's the clincher isn't it when i'm not here <laughs> uh, i talked a little bit about this on the discord but i finally finished uh fate grand order um absolute demonic front babylonia the anime adaptation of the fate grand order mobile game chapter that is basically just called the Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia in the game. This was 
an anime that I was very excited to watch when it was like first coming out. I was like thinking like, yes, this is finally the one where I'm going to be watching seasonal anime because it's like it's fully lined up in my interests and then i like just dropped Mm -hmm. off after episode seven whether or not that was a shame whether or not i missed out all this time uh i'm still not really decided because i finished babylonia and i just felt like it was okay and i think like the chapter that they're adapting in for this anime is like it's one of my favorite chapters in in the phone game i complain about efko all the time like I complain more about Fco than I yes, actually enjoy the things that are that are in this game. So when people ask me, like, so why do you care so much about this game? I just like tell them, shut the hell up and leave me alone, because it's just it's hard to explain my attachment to it. Um, I would have to like just go off on like a million tangents about like Type Moon and everything, and nobody really cares to hear about that. It's like being an anime fan, right? Yeah. Like nobody hates anime <laughs> as much as anime fans. Yeah. Uh, I guess especially in my case or rather like I don't even hate it like I just I can't even provoke a reaction to something so I think that's why uh, my like sort of very lukewarm response to the to finishing Babylonia was like not ideal I think I think I would have preferred to really hated it or like really liked it you know I mean just to be positive but just being down the middle makes me think like this just this just like further solidifies like my own ideas like what anime is now um which is largely just like adaptation stuff, like just, you know, people, you know, just like get like a bunch of people that are pretty talented to like cobble together uh, a decent enough anime. And with like fate, like what isn't like not impressive about this? Uh, it just it feels like it does everything good, right? Like it does everything properly to an extent but i just i can't really like point out like one overriding bit of it that i think is like whoa this is like this is a really good reason why it should have been adapted into an anime it really just feels like it was adapted into an anime to just to have like something else attached to the big property which is like, like what we see much. yeah yeah because like, like that's what we see everywhere now it's like you know you can't just be a light novel you can't just be a manga you got to be like a whole like media property with like a bunch of things attached to it yeah i mean that's existed for decades now right the media mix strategy yeah it just it feels like really mm, it really just feels like a little bit more oppressive now just like everything can't just be an anime like i would just like to watch something that is just an anime right it doesn't have to like do they it exists it exists it's called wonder egg priority all right some of this stuff is just not in my wheelhouse can i just like just put that out there like fate yeah like i was like i'm not actually here i'm not here to talk about wonder egg priority but i'm gonna do it anyway uh are you you're trying to tell me wonder egg priority is not in your wheelhouse i don't know what it is madoka magica i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know every the, the thing is like when i hear people talk about it they're like they're like very like restrain i don't know like they don't really like talk to me about what it is (laughs) when i think of like the egg show i'm like oh okay it's like that like meme show about eggs i don't know okay i'm gonna i actually have a different anime i want to talk about here but i will briefly try to sell you on wonder egg priority it's a um it's a magical girl show where they like don't do the standard anime stuff you'll probably like that they don't like you know do all the magical girl transformation tropes and things and it, they like uh tell, stop me if this sounds at all familiar uh each have various kinds of trauma that they're working through they uh travel into kind of uh strange surreal alternate worlds to mm. fight 
uh, surreal looking monsters that are like symbolic of various traumas oh, that metaphors. Uh, characters yeah, I like have. It. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's like super Madoka esque in in like a lot of other stylistic ways, but I think the appeal is similar. I you know if. if if someone likes one show, I would recommend they try the other one. So you are a Madoka fan, so I think you should probably give it a try. So that's like a strong recommendation based on my past. Yeah, yeah. No, Carl. And also just the animation. The animation's great. The All the character acting and stuff, all the production stuff is, is pretty fantastic. I feel like I got to revisit Madoka because we're hitting on the 10-year anniversary. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We can revisit our one of our most infamous podcast episodes. Oh, like, oh <laughs> the AGP reacts to one of like their actual most infamous podcast episodes. That would be uh... yeah the the podcast episode that spawned <laughs> in, in which David's joke spawned a I think still existent 4chan meme. <laughs> uh, good times. Madoka still the Evangelion of anime. Oh shit, he said it. <laughs> Damn, now now they like now they cancel people for like saying head ass opinions like, you know, something is the Evangelion of anime. Like <laughs> shit. <laughs> you could get away with it like ten years ago, not now. So uh I'm I'm watching the the thing I'm talking about for the queue. I'm watching the ghost in the shell of anime, uh, which is to say uh, another uh property by Mamoroshi. I'm watching Vlad Love, been watching a few episodes of this with uh with Billy and Pancakes in the Anigamers Discord. Shout outs to the Discord. Okay, Evan, Evan. My my question is like, okay, so my impression is that this is like like a fetish show, but <laughs> you're you're watching this. So what what is your take on on this show? Uh, it is a fetish show, but I'm not gonna. I don't think it's a show for fetishists. I mean, I'm sure people with the the relevant fetish would probably like it, but I don't think it's made for them. But it is a show about fetishists. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense it's maybe like mysterious girlfriend x or something which i don't think is a show that's like for people who like like drinking other people's saliva but it, it certainly is about people who like doing that <laughs> um the, the the fetish in this case is uh vlad love is uh, the premise is actually pretty pretty great just like a, i love like a simple premise like this it is a comedy about a high school girl who is a uh blood donation fetishist she loves like give uh don donating blood uh and then she meets a vampire girl uh who is like trying to be a, a a good person and not suck people's blood so she only wants to have blood that's been voluntarily donated and then it's like a yuri comedy about them like being a couple that is so specific. It's a pretty good combo. <laughs> that is so specifically like a few people, a few people's fetish, like a few people on this planet, I think. They're probably like all in like the same group chat, like with with the guy making making this show. Yeah, the guy is, is Mamoru Oshii, who's like the creator and he's like chief director. So probably not directing like on a shot by shot basis, but like overseeing the directing. Damn. And, you know, I was like, oh, cool. It's like Oshii doing comedy again, right? You know, back to his his roots with like Urusei Yatsura and stuff. And like the, the premise is pretty cute. It's uh, it's also, I think, like production wise, I believe, I forgot to look this up before the, the show because we're not like doing a full review, but I, I think it's, doesn't have a production committee it's like somehow self-funded or funded through other means so that's kind of cool unfortunately like i i don't actually love it i'm like watching it because it's 
it, it just like deserves to be watched, I think, you know, and it's like interesting that Oshi is doing it. It's it's a comedy, but I just find it like it only sometimes actually makes me laugh and has a very odd, almost like old man sense of humor that doesn't totally <laughs> land a lot. <laughs> How old is Oshi at this point? He, I don't actually know, but he's, he's pretty old. I mean, it's getting yeah. up there. Yeah, it's uh, it just has this weird sense of humor that, you know, I don't know, maybe part of it is like a Japanese sense of humor, but there's a lot of Japanese comedies that I like where the, you know, characters will just like say something that's only a little bit funny and then everyone will do like a big, you know, Manzai, like Tsukomi <laughs> reaction to it and like fall on the ground and be like, whoa, that's so crazy. And it's like, yeah, they just said they said something a little bit XD random. Like, damn. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that somebody in anime is making something that it really feels like they care about making, which. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it yeah. seems like a passion project that like. How these, often these does that happen? are really interested in, so. I, you know, it's kind of like they're making it for the love of the game. So I feel like uh, it's worth worth watching it. Yeah. Gotta love that G word. So that's what I've been watching in addition to Wonder Egg Priority, which is wrapping up soon. Uh, I think Vlad Love might be all out right now on Crunchyroll. They released it in a weird, because it wasn't on TV. So they released it like six episodes at a time on Crunchyroll. I think it's all out now. Anyway, like David said, we're talking a lot about anime this episode. So moving into the review for this show, we talking about Pui Pui Molkar. Pui Pui! Early contender for the AOTY, the Attack on Titan year. Uh, sorry, anime of the year. Pui, and I cannot stress this enough, Pui. Is that supposed to be the sound they make? Pui? We're not even saying what they are, but we'll explain <laughs> shortly. <laughs> well, they're cars, right? They're like mole cars. Right, but not mole cars. Not mole cars. Mole car. All right. Okay. So what is mole car? It would, if you just heard the name, you would say it's like moles that are a car and you're very close, but very close. they're actually not moles. They're not moles. <laughs> it is uh, based on the word morumoto, which is, I guess, related to the word marm, marmot, however you say that. But it is the Japanese word for guinea pig. And so mm-hmm. they are guinea pigs that are also cars. Uh, sort of a strange... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe like, you know, the office guy Jin could have uh, explained that that would sound <laughs> like a mole car. Uh, they're a little they're a little bit mole like, but they're not they're not specifically moles. moles. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is a series of of shorts that just finished airing uh, on YouTube on Bandai Namco's YouTube channel. Uh, and they're the, they're stop motion shorts. And they're these little kind of sketch comedies about these like sentient guinea pig cars uh, not the usual kind of thing that we review but honestly like this thing kind of kind of blew up at least among a certain segment of anime fans i think it's it's very popular in japan uh and probably will get all sorts of merchandising and stuff if it hasn't already but here i think it, it is still a little underground it's like there's a certain segment of anime fans who super super love this thing right now yeah it's on uh netflix now so you have zero excuse to not uh to not watch it you're missing out i was kind of surprised that you liked this show david but you were like very excited to come review it <laughs> no i was i was in on this pretty early like uh, a vtuber channel i like started like talking oh. about molkar yeah like i think that's how it like it caught on for me like they started like talking about molkar and i'm like what is molkar and i checked it out and it's like 
oh yeah, they were right. It's like, it's really like short, easy to consume and you get the premise like right away. There's no mystery to it. Yeah, there's not much of, you know, as people would say, a plot to this. I mean, there's literally a plot in that every little sketch has a has a story to it. But uh, it is blissfully free of any kind of explanation of how they work or whatever. It is just like, here's a fun <laughs> premise. Like, Yeah. It's pretty much, I think it is a kid's show, but it also like... You know, it, like like any good kid show, it's got enough high concept stuff in it that is like pretty entertaining for adults. Right. Yeah. No. Like Molkar. Like I, I said, like it's very like you get what Molkar is after one episode, but if you watch more of it, you realize like it's kind of ambitious as like a stop motion mm-hmm. thing. Like it, some of the ideas really do go out into some areas that make you think like, wow, the people that are making this like really had like some. They really had something that they wanted to present for the people, and it was Molkar. Yeah, it's. I, I like I like that point. It's like it's ambitious, but it's also it's never like pretentious. It's never reaching beyond like the the range of it. So an example of that is like there is a time travel episode. It's one of the better episodes. <laughs> yeah, and and like there's various. They, they kind of like jump genres, right? So there are all these different kind of genre parodies. There's like a zombie episode and a, a time travel episode, and like. You know, they they play with that in like fun and kind of ambitious ways that you wouldn't really expect just based on looking at it. You're like, oh, it's these kind of plushy guinea mm. pigs. But again, there's not like a canon. There's not they don't get like bogged down in it. It's just an excuse for a fun little sketch every episode. Right. Yeah, it's like a showcase really of like what these people are doing with stop motion. Like I like stop motion stuff, but stop motion isn't, you know, it's not like a huge thing, right? Like there's not, it's not a lot of works that make you think like, oh yeah, this is like, like what, what is like you get like Wallace and Gromit and that's it, right? As far uh, as stop I mean, motion there's, goes. There's stuff, there's like Laika, Laika is pretty, pretty popular, right? They've made some, some pretty successful like feature films. Yeah, like, so, okay, so like Molkar, like what, they, they're like two minutes each every episode and it's been, it's been a little bit challenging to keep up because when they get uploaded to YouTube, you have like one week to watch them before <laughs> the next one comes out and then the previous episode gets deleted and you do get a preview after you got, well, you got a preview after every episode to like just see like what, what is coming down the line. And what I really liked is that for like the first half of Molkar, it like, it follows an arc where it's like, oh, okay, so it's like a fun, entertaining uh, kind of like, you know, just like a, just a thing to pop in for, for two minutes. And then you get to the zombie episode and it's like, oh, okay. So they're like, you know, they're being big brain over here. They're like, they're drawing, they're drawing more influences from like areas that you don't expect. Like there's a, a definitely like a bit of a, like a, uh, like a Romero zombie influence, mm. but also also some Mad Max in there as well. Yeah, there is, there is. <laughs> There's a lot of like movie influences because the time travel one has a very you know obvious like played for laughs uh, like homage to Back to the Future. There's a especially because they're all vehicle influenced. One of one of the funnier parts of the Back to the Future reference is not only are the people in the car you know they they look like the uh the character the main characters from back to the future but the car is a mole car delorean like which is perfect yeah no there's definitely like a a love and affection for for like these movies right like everything that they're sourcing their influences from but also like they just adapt mole car mole car is like a like a blank slate i think for any kind of idea that you can come up you can make a mole car out of literally anything i think yeah there's a i mean just some of these episodes there's one where where like thieves hijack a mole car and then go on this kind of like spree uh there's one where they're like they're what they're 
there's a cat that like this isn't even a reference to any kind of genre there's a cat in one of the mole cars and it's freaking out because like the a, a guinea pig would be freaked out by a cat but it's also a car so there's a cat inside of it like oh that wasn't the uh, the atasha one was it oh right there was all i think that was a different one that's a different maybe one it was. <laughs> but yeah there's also an itasha like yeah they're just really playing with it like you know okay uh, what can we do with this like sometimes they just treat them kind of like characters but then sometimes they play with like the fact that they're cars most yeah. of the time there's some kind of play with the idea that they're like a car but they're also a character i feel like it would be natural to compare this to like the the pixar movie cars but i haven't actually seen cars so oh, i've never seen cars either Cars on the surface looks annoying. Molcar just looks adorable. Oh my god, the designs are incredible. So they're all like these felt, these felt puppets, uh, and you know it's a it's a like perfect choice stop motion. Like I I kind of I think it, it can be difficult to make stop motion that like the audience takes really seriously for like the purposes mm. of you know super serious anime stuff. Uh, it's doable, right? I mean, Leica does it in in their movies, uh, but I think it's probably very cost prohibitive right to make stuff that really like sells the audience on like super serious material uh but here like for this kind of show i kind of wish more of these cute kid shows were done with stop motion because like little felt puppets are perfect for these like you know cute mascot characters yeah i think like because when you look at a mole car it's very disarming because they have the beady eyes and like the reflection on it is just perfect i think like there's a very specific like like kind of like a design to the face of the mole car because because the cars have faces right when when a thing has a face you like you're you're more sympathetic towards it right anthropomorphization like you mean real cars have a kind of face to them right no i mean like a mole car has a face oh oh, oh. okay like a mole car has a face um well some people get like attached to cars right like i mean fast and furious is a thing right Uh, I was also just getting at the fact that cars cars have a kind of face like you know even a real car has the sort of like two eyes and a mouth like that people naturally you know parse as a face yeah and just like like a little little I guess like to just spoiler thing I guess uh, that they do they, they do a fast and furious uh, episode of Mulcar and it's perfect it's my favorite it's my favorite thing ever. Oh, one of the th- one of the things I heard about this that was super cool is, and, and this kind of makes sense, but I hadn't thought about it. Th- th- when they, so th- we didn't even mention this yet. They do a face in this that is like the most iconic image of Molcar. And it's all these cars, they look different, right? They have different kind of like colors and patterns, but they all have basically the same shape, which is what David was getting at, the same, you know, eyes and stuff. And they all do this thing whenever they're surprised where the the car and you'll have to look this up or we'll include an image on the on the post on the blog. But like the they they scrunch up and like their little mouth kind of like, you know, moves down into this big like, oh, face like, oh, they're like surprised about something. And uh, they just they animated that by literally just squishing the plushie, (laughs) which is incredible. It looks so cute. (laughs) That's just the that's like that's actually the uh, the surprised Pikachu face that the mole cars are doing. But it then, kind of is. <laughs> yeah, I mean they advanced it. I I think I think that the mole car expression when they're surprised is like that's an advancement of the of like that yeah. one screenshot of Pikachu being surprised. It's like an instant reaction image. Like the moment you see it, you're like, oh, I'm gonna need to use this somewhere online. <laughs> yeah, and I think again, like the yeah, just the idea of using the plushies is great. Like it it kind of closes the gap between the you know, you watch an, a 2D animated version of a character and then you buy a plushie of it. And it's like, well, just animate the plushie. <laughs> <laughs> Cut out the middleman. 
I wonder how big they are. They can't be like that big. Based on the texture of like the felt, they look like they're relatively small. They might be like hand sized or something, but it, it's, it's a little hard to tell. Yeah. Like on top of like just the the felt cars, it like all their environment work also seems pretty good, but also like not uh like not like a super high investment as well. Like they they really uh, they really scaled. I think they scaled it like they scaled it very good, and I think that's like why it's so effective. Is just because if they had any sort of worries of like oh does like do our city streets actually look good? Like they look good enough. Right, because because the main focus is just going to be on the mole cars. Uh, it is interesting the way they depict things that aren't mole cars, and this is also relevant for what I was talking about with cars. I believe the movie Cars doesn't have humans in it. Someone will have actually seen it and will correct me on that, but I, I think it's just cars. It's like a world where humans. I think it's like unexplained or something. Like humans just don't exist. It's just cars. Uh, it. And in this case, like there are humans and, you know, cats and things and, and they drive around and live their lives, except like they're driving mole cars. And it's like never actually explained, like, are the humans driving them or are they kind of like being, you know, like who's in control of the car? And it's kind of like well, just a <laughs> part of the joy of it is that you don't need to know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, a side effect of like if people get like really into mole car now uh you're gonna see like hour-long youtube uh like just like breaking down like everything or rather like theorizing of like how society works in the mole car universe because there is it does seem like there are like a lot of functions of society as we know it in mole car but you have to keep in mind like these are felt mole cars the sentient cars right car cars that are just somehow like living and also perfectly hollowed out for a human yeah. to go in <laughs> and pilot it as well. Like, and they're like friends. They're kind of like there's there's a bit of an implied relationship between the the person and their mole car. Yeah, but I, I love the way they depict them because humans are shown differently depending on whether they're in or out of the mole car. So out uh -huh. in the kind of overworld, everybody is, is a little almost like an army man, like a little toy. Uh, and I think they might be, they might animate a little bit, but they mostly just kind of wobble around, right? Like, which is again, like a great choice for cutting costs, but also it's, it's like a stylistic choice, right? It's, it like clearly it, it's consistent across the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then once they're in the car, they are, uh, basically stop motion photos of people. So like they're, they're like these, these shots of people in poses that are then like done in stop motion. They're composited like really convincingly to like yeah, yeah. exist inside the mole car. Like I'm not sure if like the inside of a mole car like they ever built a life size one. <laughs> it might be a set that they use. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Well, I mean, all you have to do is just like make like a surface uh, that they stand on that's just felt, right? And you just roll out like a big, <laughs> a big roll of felt, and that's it. You're done. You got your set. You know what's the main thing I would compare this to, though? It's it's not Pixar's Cars. It's SpongeBob. A in little bit, yeah. They both are these, like, surrealist worlds that are very... Uh, they're, like... At, at the same time, they're, like, very well-realized and kind of consistent. But they also have these elements that, like, don't make sense. And they, they don't try to explain them to you, right? Like, one of mm. my favorite gags in SpongeBob is characters drinking a glass of water underwater, <laughs> right? And it's, like, it's those kinds of gags that, like, kind of permeate this show. 
No, the one I was thinking was like when like a PNG of like somebody's arm or a foot is like this just been clipped out and like just composited over like SpongeBob and everything like they're in the scene, but with like an actual like human limb. It's actually very similar. I, I, yeah, I almost wonder if it's an influence because it's a very similar like sense of humor and like just the way that it is kind of like, yeah, there's some kind of real stuff and animated stuff put together and we're not going to explain it. <laughs> like it's just it just is this way. Well, I think that's like something that made like Who Framed Roger Rabbit like work really well as it is because I think it's just funny when you see like a really competent performer interacting with like these just cartoonish drawings. And yeah, like all the human stuff in Molkart does not take away from the Molkart stuff. It complements it. It's like that's I think that's the important thing to make uh, to make that sort of relationship that like, okay, so humans exist in the Molkart universe and sometimes they like clash, but they also work really well together. It seems like a kind of ideal society in a lot of ways. I mean, there's still crime and stuff, but like nobody really gets hurt. Everything's mostly fine. Like <laughs> it's not like a like, yeah, like the concepts of it are like, OK, so this is like uh, all ages, right? There's no. Yeah. I mean, like if Molkar doesn't overstep its boundaries, right? Like the most like brutal it ever got was like, oh, there's like a zombie Molkar that just likes to eat hamburger, which obviously is my favorite episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine. No, that was that was really funny, actually. Just like because I think like the, the Molkars uh, and the zombies and like I, they come to an agreement, right? They like they, they decide like, oh, we're fighting over like the only food we can find in the desert. Let's, how about we just split? split it down the middle we're like we'll take <laughs> the bun and the lettuce and you can have the the, the patty <laughs> uh that was a good episode but my favorite is the fast and furious episode just for like that insane cut there was there is sakuga in in pui pui Molkar. all right you can't you can't take this away from me oh yeah you're right you're right yeah the the bit where it like hits the it hits the nos in the Molkar. Molkars have nos <laughs> uh actually i mean i Obviously, I like I have to joke about the burger one being my favorite, but I, my favorite might be the time travel one because it has uh, an incredible, incredible reveal, incredible. I won't even spoil it. I won't spoil it. I think everybody <laughs> should watch it. The reveal when they go back in time and they find, uh, let's say, a uh, a progenitor of the, the mole car species is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I had a, I experienced like just that was that 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 is the biggest pop in the whole show. Just like uh, I, out. I like practically jumped out of my seat. It was so funny. <laughs> Molkar, Molkar is a good time. I do like that. That's like not the last episode either. Like it just kind of eases down, right? There's a bit of uh, you know falling action. I think there's like the last episodes aren't as intense as like the movie focused ones. I think, but. I feel like it ends in like a really happy place. Like the last episode is the house party with all the mole cars. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I got to say, though, there's no way that's the last episode because this thing was very popular on YouTube and obviously very merchandisable. I, I have to imagine there's going to be more of it. I would love, love to see more mole car. Yeah. But but actually, so I should talk a little bit. We, we do have to wrap up soon because otherwise we're going to have a review that's longer than, than Molkar, Molkar <laughs> in its <itself>. entirety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, we didn't talk about the creator. The creator is a guy named uh, Tomoki Misato. Uh, and the, it was animated at Shin-A Animation, which is uh, kind of been around for a long time, done a lot of stuff. Uh, Shin-chan, I think, and Doraemon are like the big things. Wow, that so they've been around for. since the dawn of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were like founded in the 70s. Um, 
and I, th- I think, you know, they've covered a lot of different stuff. I, I think th- my understanding is this director is really like the driving force here. Uh, he also had a short film I looked up a trailer for, for called My Little Goat that looks really, really good. Like won some awards. And I, I kind of really want to see it now. Um, actually, I don't know if it's a feature film, but it's a it's a film. It might be a short film. But the the one wrinkle in the idea that like, oh my God, like of course Bandai Namco is going to make more Molkar is... Apparently, Misato has a new job now, and he is working at Studio Wit, heading up a new stop motion department at the studio. So I wonder, like, what that means. Does that mean, I mean, maybe if it's just Bandai Namco has the rights, maybe they'll just contract Studio Wit to make the new one, right? And just have uh, Misato direct it. I think, I mean, sometimes, like, Bandai Namco is one of those groups that... uh, people in the know will just complain about endlessly but i feel that they've only been around as long as they have because they make generally smart decisions i think they will go look for for the driving force uh behind molkar season one but if they don't i I couldn't imagine like how would you remake this without this guy clearly like he's got a vision here that he he put into practice if they don't i really hope that they get somebody that like cared about Molkar when it was coming out and rather like just contract anybody that is doing like similar work doesn't matter whether or not they were like actually actually had any sort of uh uh like whether or not they cared about Molkar you gotta care about Molkar if you're gonna work on Molkar and clearly Tomoki Misato cares about Molkar you know the other thing this kind of reminds me of and in like a broader sense of just trends in the industry that I really like is um I mean, not not just the the director and, and and main studio, but like the all the people who worked on um, Pop Team Epic, right? Like, which was such a showcase of all these kind of indie animators and like people doing weird stuff, like the AC Boo people who did the very very popular uh, Bob Nemimimi parts, right? But also like uh, what's his name, June Aoki, the director, series director, I think it might be his name, uh, who's got that his like studio Space Cat Company. Uh, and like he also did uh gal and dino right like there's there's a bunch of these things cropping up that i'm i'm really impressed with that they're they're really like pushing the boundaries of what anime is at least to uh or what people think anime is right i mean anime is just anything that's japanese animation that's the definition that i use but you know people think of it as just being this very specific style of 2d animation the only like the only lasting description of what anime is, I think, is totally unexpected. <laughs> that's right. The, well, that's what Molkar is. Uh, we have a few questions before we wrap up. Uh, we will start with a question from a patron. Reminder, if you subscribe for $5 a month on patreon.com slash anigamers, you get on the priority question list. And we have one here from Sniffs or uh, it's, uh, it's Tiffany. It's, uh, it's my partner, Tiffany. Not so much a question as a request. Please do your best impression of the Molkar noise. So, you know, she paid to be in the Patreon, so now we have to do the Molkar noise. (laughs) Pressure to perform, David. I know you just sang last episode. (laughs) Well, if I could do that, I could definitely do a Molkar noise. So it's like, Pui Pui Molkar, right? You expect Pui Pui is the sound that they make? They don't really do like a Pui Pui. They do do like a squeaking sound. We're trying to figure out that. It almost feels like tires squeaking because they're cars, right? Yeah. So... Weak, weak. It's like a little squeak. squeak. I'm probably weak, pretty weak, bad at it. There, it's kind of a pui pui. Yeah, a little bit pui pui, but squeaky. 
It feels like you're surrounded by mole cars now, don't you like it? And then when they scream, they go, very cute. This is the polar opposite of the Baki episode. <laughs> going from like, they're inventing new muscles to being like, these little plush guinea pigs are the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> we have range is what we have. That's right. That's right. We should be proud of that. Uh, a few questions from non-patrons. Uh, one's from, we have two from uh, Sachi Como. I think we can hit all of these uh, pretty quickly. So... Uh, this is Bokusachi who asks, what anime, movie, game, etc. would you most want to see all the vehicles replaced with mole cars or vehicles or human characters? Oh, man. You got one? But yeah, it's 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 on my brain right now. So because I've been playing it. Uh, give me Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 Pequod is a, is a, a mole car helicopter. Um, uh, whenever Snake gets in a in you know steals a jeep or something, it's a mole car. I like to see you know I like to see uh, JoJo stands, but instead they're mole cars. I feel like do you have to do something that has cars in it? Like I feel like I mean JoJo doesn't have that many cars. Well, he's got one cars. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> cars, but he's. A- <laughs> He's a mole car. Uh, I've created the perfect organism. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. I did see someone did a uh, a loop on the third one that was very cute, like Lupin and Jigen in the, the little yellow car. Uh, yeah. Uh, another one from uh, from Bokusachi. Uh, Tomoki Misato has been brought on to lead a new stop motion sub studio at Studio Wit. It's exciting to see this level of support for stop motion projects. Uh, what would we be? What would we be excited to see coming from an initiative like this? Uh, given good working conditions, of course. Uh, First of all, he added, but yeah, I mean, I, I know Wit has a little bit of a not great reputation. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I this is probably very ambitious, but I would like to see like longer stuff. You know, this is uh, Misato's first um like his first TV project. I think it was on TV. Um, in addition to YouTube, and yeah, I'd like to see. Like, I mean, 30 minutes might be very long for the amount of work that has to go into making all these sets and things. But yeah, I'd be interested also in like in more serious stuff. I mean, if you look at his uh, his previous film, uh, My Little Goat, it looks to me like it's it's a like a drama or like a like a thriller or something. And like you can do that. That's that's doable in stop motion. And that would be pretty cool. When I think like practical effects, I think often of like a lot of the classic science fiction films that we'd had in like the 70s and 80s and i think like a like a kind of like a adventurous space exploration film done done with this sort of work would be like really cool yeah it also makes you think of like harry house and stuff right yeah i mean you could do like any genre i mean you could do like serious action stuff you could do comedy like just do whatever feels right i think sky is the limit uh question from the nam shub of enki uh in the discord from the first episode, I see this is a series with a deep and deep and convoluted storyline. Uh, are they made from real fur or artificial fur? I believe uh, I'll just answer this one really quick. Uh, I think they're just made with felt, which is not fur. It's made from cotton or, or wool. Wool. Uh, I think it's made with wool felt. Uh, ink. Who is best? Ink asks, "Who is the uh, best pui pui molkar?" Best pui pui molkar. The best molkar. Best molkar. I like the zombie one zombie one kind of cute really, design really good yeah, yeah. Uh, 
What about what about the uh, Akira Akira? Oh, the Akira one was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that <laughs> reference. That was so good. <laughs> it's it's just like a throwaway reference, like just like a little visual gag. But it's like it got a lot of attention when that episode first ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's what I would uh, what I would say there. They're all they're all very cute and and like very distinctive, and it really lends itself to like fan art and stuff, right? Because the it's like a it's practically like a like a customizable toy, right? Where it's got the same base shape and you can like just put different colors and accessories on it and stuff. You can have your own Pui Pui original character. Yeah. And last one from Nikki Enchilada. If you could, would you own a mole car and would you ride in it? Uh, considering how much I don't like cars, like a Pui Pui mole car seems really safe. Like, Yeah. Oh, it's got built-in airbags. It's just it's very soft, right? Yeah, uh, and the assumption is that if I have a mole car, uh, I am in a mole car universe where everybody has mole cars. Like anything aside from a mole car is just unacceptable to bring out into the road. It's not road ready. Uh, so here's here's my thing. I think we should, uh, uh, in the real world, try to get rid of cars as much as possible, right? Uh, and you know, replace them with high speed rail, things like that, uh, for the sake of the environment, et cetera, et cetera. The question is. Are mole cars better for the environment? I think yes. Probably, yeah. I mean, there was an episode where they like ate garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably pretty uh, good in terms of, you know, carbon, right? But it also makes me think of a very funny post where I saw a guy defending the idea of, uh, which I think is a good idea, but people using like e-bikes, right? But, but he did like the most galaxy brain take where he was like, an e-bike is actually more efficient than a regular bike because human food consumption and conversion into like thrust is less efficient <laughs> than an e-bike. <laughs> and so it makes me think like, what is the efficiency of the mole cars like eating and then moving, right? Like how much is the, what's the carbon footprint of the food that you have to feed them, the carrots you give them? Lettuce, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but barring that, yes, there. Uh, it seems great. It seems like a car that can kind of drive itself. It's a self-driving car, but without needing like Elon Musk bullshit or whatever. Yeah, always a win when you just cut out Take, uh, cut Elon Musk out of the yeah. equation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a universe in which we have uh, shot Elon Musk to Mars alone and didn't give him anyone else or uh, an air supply. Allegedly, yeah, we we literally Matt Damon them. Yeah, yeah, we did the Martian to him. And so that's why we got to live uh, a world where everybody has self-driving guinea pig cars. Mm, society, if uh, you Matt Damon, uh, Elon Musk, <laughs> and that's just Pui Pui Molkar. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's it for our questions. Uh, watch Molkar. They uploaded it all to YouTube, or to, sorry, it's not on YouTube anymore. They uploaded it all to Netflix. So go check it out there. And you'll be able to... If you start it when we start the review and then you'll be done with it before we're done talking about it, I think, based on the <laughs> amount of time we've now spent talking about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. Before we head out, you can read articles from me on Anime News Network and from both of us on Otaku USA Magazine. David, you review anything good recently? Uh, Not recently. I'm still waiting for the call. I've got animeburgertime.tumblr.com. I gotta post the Molkar, uh, some shots from Molkar on there to revitalize that old Tumblr. David is streaming video games every Saturday night at twitch.tv slash uwusmallbean. What are you playing? Uh, you'll be surprised to hear that I'm still playing Persona 4. There he goes. Back at it again. 
We have a Patreon. Support us on patreon.com slash anygamers to get into the priority question list and access bonus articles and podcasts, including David's light novel show, The Anygamers Book Club. I believe as of this episode coming out, there should be a free episode in the feed for people who have not subscribed. I think we're going to... We're going to release the 86 episode. Is that is that it? 86? Yes. It's very, yeah, and it's very current. It's very trendy because there's going to be an 86 anime. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, check that out. And if you like it, you can subscribe and get access to the whole back catalog of uh, of the Anagamers Book Club plus uh, bonus episodes from us collectively, from David and I, as well as from, uh, from Old Takuno Radio. And you can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official Anagamers Discord on anagamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast at anygamers.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm at sign VAMPTVO, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. David is at sign QX20XX, and there's at sign Anygamers. I'm on Mastodon at VAMPTVO at Mastodon.social. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And we could use more reviews on iTunes to help more people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all again in about two weeks. Pweet, 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 pweet.